Hello and welcome. It's the Holy Hour podcast, the All Cure podcast, the usually bi-weekly podcast, but um, in the month of March, we're just cranking them out here. Uh, we really wanted to make sure that Andy Anderson episode got out um, as soon as possible, so uh, thanks to Donald and Chaz for uh, talking with me quickly and uh, a little more lo-fi on the Andy front, but we hope you enjoyed that. And we're going to keep backtracking a bit. Thanks for uh, the 100th episode. Very grateful and thankful to everybody that listened and contributed for the first 100 episodes. We hope a whole nother 100 episodes are around the corner. Um, but enough celebration and glorification. Let's move on. When we, before we started all that madness, uh, we were in the, uh, the era of 2004, the self-titled album by The Cure called The Cure. And uh, Donald and Chaz and myself, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I recommend pausing it and going back. We were a bit torn on that album. Not our favorite Cure album, as much as it pained at least me to say. Um, so whenever that happens, we like to uh, throw it out there to you guys. And we got a few contributions and some other thoughts. And uh, that's what this episode is going to be about. So another perspective. And a lot of it syncs up still, but at the same time, some some variation on uh, opinions on the 2004 album. And uh, we thought we'd also sprinkle it in with a good phone call from our trusty friend Coulter, where we're going to talk about some of those elusive B-sides and outtakes, because... You know, one of the main arguments is maybe the best songs weren't chosen for that album. It was, uh, it'll come up again that Ross Robinson and, and Robert Smith even were kind of torn on which songs to go on the album. Different opinions there. And I think every listener probably has a slightly different variation of the preferred set list in their head. So, um, so we're going to talk about the B-sides and outtakes with Coulter. But before all that, we got a uh, pretty cool contribution sent in from Matt. And he takes a slightly different perspective on addressing the 2004 self-titled album. So let's hear what Matt has to say to get things rolling. Hello, Gavin and everybody. Hope everything's going well for you guys. And uh, I want to do something a little bit different for my self-titled recollections, autopsy, whatever you want to call it. I'm I'm sure it's the one thing that we're all kind of on a united front about. And I mean that even more than most fans uh you know agreeing that disintegration is the best or pornography is the best kiss me i think we can all rally behind that this is just flat out the worst thing they ever did and um you know it's just not gonna be a very fun thing to dissect all that so instead what i want to talk about is how uh to me it kind of symbolized the cure coming back uh into the pop culture a little bit what i mean by that is there were times in 2004 where you could actually turn on the radio and hear End of the World. I even saw the video for Alt-End on MTV2, of all things, which blew my mind because, you know, you know, I was too young to really see the videos or hear them on the radio when they were contemporary. So for me, it was kind of a, you know, a little thrill to see our boys out there. Um... And not only that, really, you couldn't avoid it. I mean, you'd go to Walmart, Best Buy, any kind of those big big box stores, and going to the music section at the time, you would see tons and tons of copies of this album. I mean, it was it was everywhere. I remember having to hunt down the Join the Dots box set. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I think that actually was the first thing I 
this is kind of a side note, but I think that's the first thing I ever bought on Amazon in 04, 05. But, uh, yeah, it has nothing to do with this. But still, yeah, going to, you know, going to these stores and, and seeing that self-titled album get uh, a good amount of prominence uh, was cool. It was good to see, you know. And, and then, you know, flash forward four years later when... 413 came out and sadly to me I, I felt like that was another one I kind of had to hunt down it was not as as prominent sadly even though that's my probably third favorite record by them um, but yeah just just having them kind of uh, out in public again was really cool and I know Spin Magazine had a lot of features on it a lot of their rankings and you know a lot of bullshit magazines like that Rolling Stone it really seemed that in 04 they were kind of back in the public eye so for that you know love it or hate it something about the right combination of Ross Robinson or the singles or, or something just kind of uh, catapulted them back in you know we talked about Blood Flowers being kind of it seemed like it was a fan only album and I, I said in my kind of micro review that uh there were no singles for it there was no video and you know i was 15 16 how the hell was i gonna really hear about it and we you know my friends and i just saw that cover and we're like what the fuck is this i don't know if i could swear on the podcast but literally that was my reaction like what is this thing you know so being able to hear singles and videos and things like that it is kind of important in a way you know just to get that exposure or, or to keep it or to you know grow an audience so for that, I'm going to say that the 04 self-titled album was a kind of important artifact in the group's history. You know, for better or for worse, it, it brought them up. And uh, just closing it out, I had a lot of friends who bought that record after never buying a Cure record. It's insane to me when you think about it. I somehow went mostly the whole year without hearing the album in full I didn't buy it I had um, at that point I definitely had Kiss Me Kiss Me and uh, Standing on a Beach and I even went to Curiosa and I still own the album so maybe that was a good thing I don't know if that was a blessing but yeah my friends had it isn't that insane like I couldn't convince anybody to go buy 413 Dream let alone you know uh, Faith or you know head on the door but for some reason it was just a big seller i guess so that's going to be in my opinion the the long-lasting legacy of self-titled so hope everyone's doing well love the show and see you next album all right thank you so much matt great perspective to uh put focus on the rebirth the resurgence of the cure in 2004 you know and that it just can't get past the idea of that opening up so many doors to a lot of new fans and uh really just keeping them out there in the world especially after the what would have been the inevitable obvious fade out from blood flowers uh yeah good good point and also we received a very cool segment at the zero hour from Victor, a uh, super cool listener that I've been talking to on the side for a little bit now. Um, we actually received his origin tale, too, that I can't wait to share with you guys, but I'm waiting to compile it um, with other origin tales so we can have a full episode of people's stories of how they got into The Cure. We haven't had those in a while. So send those in if you are interested any any length of time. Your, give us your story of how you got into The Cure. 
But back on track, Victor sent in a segment of his opinions on the self-titled album, and uh, Victor quickly takes us back down off of our semi-positive cloud that Matt tried to uh, put the silver lining on, and dares to ask, was uh, the bad boy and Chaz and myself perhaps too light on the self-titled album? Maybe it is just completely the worst thing they've ever recorded. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey there, Gavin. Uh, it's Victor from Minneapolis. Um, I want to send this out. It's regarding the, the 2004 self-titled album. Um, so with this album, I'm, I'm going to start by saying that I think they accomplished something that they were not quite able to do with pornography, for instance. And I mean it. And since this is the first time, actually, that I send my thoughts out on, on any album to you, uh, I'm going to start by saying that pornography, it's really not one of my favorite albums. Definitely not in the top five for me. And I guess I'm somewhere there in the top ten. Uh, that would be accurate. So, um, I've read somewhere, and maybe uh, I guess you, you have to have read or heard at some point Robert talking about pornography and, and, and mentioning something about when, when they were working on it that they basically wanted to create something that was unlistenable. And I think that's what they accomplished with the self-titled album, not in a good way. I think it's unlistenable. And, I mean, it's it's the only album that I don't like. I don't like this, this album. And um, it's, it's also the only album. I've, I've heard a couple, well, not a couple, more than a couple of, of your album reviews or album episodes uh, in the podcast. And I think this is the first one in which I've, I've had... You've had, I mean, you've had better things to say about it than than I do. Um, and uh, even to this day, I cannot really listen to it through. Um, I don't even like The End of the World, for instance. Uh, the production and the whole album, I think, is really bad. And, and like you said, also in that episode, of, the vocals are are terrible. Uh, but I don't think it's just that because when I when I've heard songs from this album live that I've seen and some of the concerts I've been around uh, I've attended to, they I don't think they are much better live, stripped from from the Robinson production or, or whatever. I I still think they, they I don't like them. Um, I even revisited the album after after your episode. And yeah, I, I I think it's impossible to listen to it beginning to end. And I mean, especially when 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 it starts out with Lost and Labyrinth, like out of the gate, my God. And, and Lost, it, it, it's a shame. And I think you you touched on that in the episode. Like it, the Cure had a streak of such good openers. Such good album openers, and then you get lost. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I guess I guess 
it works in the sense that it represents what the album's going to be like, or I don't know. But uh, uh, it, it's a shame, and, and that, that prevents me from, from from liking it or from being able to to bear with it too long. I actually think many of the songs around this era are, are actually really good. I mean, or, or B-sides are usually very good. We all know that, right? Uh, but also, in this case, the, the not, I'm not talking only about the B-sides, also the unreleased tracks. I like them much more than most of the uh, of the album songs, or, or than a lot of them. But when you look at, I don't know, things like Few Hours After This, or, or The Exploding Boy, they're so good, and they could be in the album. You could argue that you could take this song out and, 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 and include these, or that, or, or yeah. Even some of the Wish era B-sides and all that. Yeah, you could argue that. Things that, yeah, they are so much better, I think, than many of those songs on the album. While on the other, they, I could say they are on par with, with what you have on Wish or on par with what you have on Head on the Door or Kiss Me, Kiss Me. In this case, I think they're just much better. I don't know. Based on, on what I just said and some of the B-sides and some of the other unreleased tracks from this era, I thought it would be fun to, to kind of list together what, what what I would have included as my preferred uh, self-titled album or from, from this era. Uh, well, let's see what, what, what you guys think about it. I don't know. Uh, I, I think I would have liked to have the album open with a song like your God is Fear. I think it's a really good song. I like that one a lot. I would have an extended intro. I mean, it's not a short intro, but I would like, I don't know, probably like a minute and a half instrumental before you hit the vocals or, or something like that. Uh, but that one, I think, would be a, a good opener. Then, uh, song number two, I would include Before Three. And... Yeah, it's an okay song, I don't know, but I would have it just for it to be before three, before track three. So that would be my second song. My third song, I would I would have I Don't Know What's Going On. And that one, by the way, would be my first choice for a single. Um, the lyrics <laughs> the lyrics could use some work, right? But but I think it it has a a, a pop sensibility it's a, has a little catchy part I don't which is one of the things that that this album in my opinion lacks a lot of uh, it you can do something that's hard or, or I don't know the, the, the whatever sound they wanted to achieve with it but have some hooks or something which I think this album really lacks so so that would be my my, my third song and my choice for the first single actually then uh, following that I would have out.end or whatever that the name is it's an okay song I don't love it I've heard it live also it's an okay I, I wouldn't rule it out uh, I would follow that one up with anniversary which I kind of like that, that that's one of the better songs I think in the album and I would close side A with one of the unreleased tracks but I think they played live around that era. Uh, the the one of a boy I never knew. Uh, that would be a nice closer for for 
the first uh, first site. Um, now, site B, I would open with uh, this warning, another one of those B sites. Uh, I like that one also. Um, my second track on site B would be taking off. Uh, and that, by the way, would be my second single. Uh, and the B-side that I would include for that single would be, uh, you probably heard it also, it's somewhere there in YouTube and all that, the Dragon Hunter song. Some song they made for a French TV show or something, but if you listen to it, it's basically the same song as Taking Off. So that's why I would have that one as as the B-side to Taking Off. Uh, following Taking Off, the third song I would have is Fake, also one of the B-sides. Um, pretty good song, I, I like those. I, I like everything I'm including, I, I like. Um, then I, it'll be Strum, uh, one of those unreleased tracks. Um, also Please Come Home, another one of those unreleased tracks. And then I would, um, I would end the album with uh, "Going Nowhere," which, which I think is was the closing song in, in some of the releases, but maybe not all of them. I know in the in the CD I used to have uh, when 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 they came out, I think I think that was the the closer. I would have to check, but I think in my version that was the closing one. Uh, and then I I have songs like. That that would be my album, but I I love songs like uh, Truth, Goodness, and Beauty, Why Can't I Be Me, and End of the World. Those, in my opinion, could be uh, B sides to to those singles. Maybe some other single that you could put there, and then this would be a, a B side. Um, and then there's the songs that I would like: Lost, Labyrinth. I remember Never, Us or Them. I think the promise is the last, uh, the last one. Those I would just disappear from the face of the earth. I would just burn them. I I I can't take. I really cannot take those songs. Um. So so yeah, that that's what I I wanted to share with you. And uh, let me see. Let me let me know your thoughts or, or what you think of any you know, of, of the songs and, and all that. So I well, hope. To hear from you guys, uh, and that's it. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Thanks so much, Victor. Great to finally have you on the show, and uh, lots of good points there. And you know, I think a lot of people will agree with you on this self-titled album. It's uh, usually at the bottom of the list, but um, if there is one thing that can save the perspective of this self-titled album, it seems to be these B-sides and outtakes that everyone keeps subtly mentioning and uh, that you added to your revised track listing. So without further ado, I think it's time to check out what these B-sides and outtakes are. So let's go ahead and head to the phones now and call up Coulter out in Arizona. It's only two hours back, you dinguses. It's not three. Come on. Get your get your schedule straight. And uh, we're going to talk about some B-sides and outtakes now. Let's see if we can save this self-titled album. Bring, 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 bring. All right, so here we are. I'm here with Coulter again. We're going to talk about these B-sides. How's it going, Coulter? Great. I'm uh, glad to be back. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us and becoming our uh, expert B-side guy, it seems like. <laughs> 
something like that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes uh, i appreciate you've hooked me up uh, numerous times in the past and once again with some of these uh rarities outtakes i don't even know if you'd count all these as b-sides that we're going to address for this self-titled album but uh there's some cool gems floating around out there so uh thanks for uh for digging them up and unearthing them for me and hopefully some people out there no problem. <laughs> but um yeah it's it's weird because uh maybe just because it was starting to get later in the years or uh because i wasn't so crazy about this album but there was a few of these that i really hadn't heard i felt like I, i've cut most of them in passing but some of them were a lot later even like strum and a few of these that we're going to talk about are ones that I'm not quite sure where they even fit into the grand scheme of recording sessions or what but um there's some some cool rare ones out there so i think people might hear one or two that they're not super familiar with and we'll also try to tell you where you can track them down but uh i thought we'd do a little track by track but before all that um We've been uh, talking a lot about this self-titled album. I hope I didn't come off too negative with everybody else in the last episode, but uh, a lot of complaints, but hopefully some praise with this. But we thought we would check with Coulter here and see uh, um, right off the bat, well, how do you, how's this album fit with you? Where, you? where are you at with it these days? Um, this album's kind of hit or miss. I think you have to be in a particular mood for it, but I, I think I've said in the past when I was getting into them, this was probably mm-hmm. like the last one that I was able to listen the whole way through and, and appreciate because it was you know like right right off the bat with lost you're kind of like what you know I don't, you know it's totally different than yeah anything else that they've done and so yeah definitely was like the last one for me and i just yeah initially didn't like it and it's still you know it's probably my least favorite of all of them but i i think it you know at times a certain song might be stuck in my head or, or applied to something i'm going through or yeah. whatever but yeah it's just one of those albums i think you have to be in the mood for yeah, for sure. And it is weird when you really kind of... It's funny how these later ones, because there are such huge gaps between all the albums, the fade between one era into another seems pretty gradual in a sense, you know, or That's so true, long yeah. even, you know, but it's like when you... It's strange that when you really bunch them all together and look at them, it's like it really stands out, you know, for better and worse, you know, but at the same time too, it is just that it's its own thing, which is kind of cool really, but at the same time... You can also look at it as the, wow, it does really stand out because it is completely different, like you're saying, than the other ones. And you kind of do have to just be in that mood where you're ready to, it's like, whatever, I'm going to put on that self-titled album. (laughs) It's always been my go-to when I'm so sick of things, you know, because I know that it's probably gotten the least amount of listens. (laughs) So when I want to throw on a Cure album and hopefully get something new out of it, you know, it's kind of my go-to, but um but yeah, how about 2004? I forget your timeline exactly, too, but uh, where, where were you at in 2004 with this? Were you, uh, Let's see, in 2004, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know. I didn't even know the, the cure. I wish I had that backstory like you and so many others where it was, whether it was Disintegration or even Kiss Me or before. Um, right I, I think it was like 2000, 2008 that uh, my friend had gotten me into the, into the cure. And so, right. uh, but 2004 for me... Um, I think it was just starting high school. I, I think I well, graduated in '06. I don't have to do the math, right? Okay. Four years, so something like that. Oh, just yeah, starting yeah. high school, and I don't even remember what I was listening to. I, I um, didn't get into. I mean, I was really big on, on on music, but I didn't start getting into my own stuff until I think like yeah. my senior year or a little bit after. It was really what my you know what my whatever my dad had or burned for me: Beatles, Pink Floyd, all that kind right, of stuff. Yeah. You know, you 
I don't know. I'm sure that's how it works for a lot of people. You kind of take in whatever you're given and then yeah, for sure. much later you start to just go off on your own. And that's what I found happening with cool. me. But, but anticipating this album, you know, I can't imagine because what the, the album before it came out in 96. No, Blood Flowers. Uh, Blood Flowers came out in 2000. Yeah. yeah. And, um, four years, you, know, you know, you're waiting four years and just to see where they're going to go from there. And then this is just totally something different. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's always strange, and, and we touch on that at the tail end of the last episode there, but just that idea of the four-year gaps are, are understandable by that point in their career that they are doing that they were doing that, you know, before it got ridiculously long, before this well, <laughs> upcoming album, hopefully. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> better than 11 years or whatever we're at now. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, but even the four years, it's so strange just because it, it is such a long gap, and we talked about how just like – not as only is it four years from the last album, but you know, you, you you take that four years to get to that album, then another four years. So it's really eight years of you know, cushion around this one album. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I'd kind of said in passing that like, you know, especially an album like this, if it had just been sandwiched in real quick one year after another old school cure style, I really wouldn't be as hard on it even, you know, just like whatever. It's their one rock album, but I, you know what I mean? If they just had like Blood Flowers, this, and then 413 Dream, or just kind of like bam, 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 you know, it's just kind of, okay, cool. But like when you're like, this is it? This is what I get for four years to listen to? <laughs> it just kind of hurts a little bit more. But um, yeah, it's, you know. So. It's a good point because uh, it's kind of like you had four years. Is this, are you spending all of those four years on this? Or how long of a break did yeah. they take before they got back to? Any sort of yeah, uh, I think they only even recorded this one in particular like a year. It was a fairly short process. Like while well, mood swings, I think well, it was all live, a minute right? of that. But yeah, mm-hmm. so but yeah, uh, you guys, yeah. you guys probably already talked about this in, in the episode. Like I haven't heard the episode. Obviously, we've talked about this since it you know just hasn't come come out yet. You're still working on that. But yeah. a lot of the recording, from what I've read, it was like all live in the, the studio. Yeah. Yeah, slightly different process for this one where they really did just kind of knock it out in the studio live, all in the same room, and uh, Ross Robinson just kind of in there with them, coaching yeah, them. Adam, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lots of jokes going on with that in the last episode, but uh, yeah, just how about that angle for you? Um, did you have any knowledge of Ross Robinson going into when you found out about this album even like backtracking I, even like mm, were you aware of new metal and all that? There. A, a little bit. I didn't know who until I mean, like as I was getting into the cure, I was just really listening to the album, seeing which ones I gravitated yeah. towards. I didn't really think about who their producer was or, or things like that until yeah. later. And then it just once once I found out that that's who it was and that the same guy from Corn and those kinds of yeah. bands, it was kind of like okay, I guess this makes huh. sense that this was the yeah, yeah. Or this kind of sound, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. It's a it's an interesting choice for sure, but uh, so. I, I, no, for sure. I mean, like in Limp, B- I think he also did Limp Biscuit, right? Where it's like, yeah, the whole let's crew, get the guy who does Limp Biscuit. That's a good Limp idea. Limp Biscuit, Slipknot. <laughs> it's so ridiculous um yeah but you know like we said he's kind of the easy target and something something that we brought up uh talking and preparing for this episode too is the idea that uh he ultimately you know i always wanted to blame ross robinson full on for the harder heavy cure album that i'm just like eh, you know just because it's not really my style mostly but at the same time i don't think it really works the 
the best for the band, but uh, he said he had his own track listing in the end and ultimately liked the more like mopier and some of those sadder songs, but Robert actually was the one that fought more to have the consistent heavy track listing that would become the album. So I'm kind of like, what? But then in, at, in researching all this, it kind of made more sense that if they were going to do it, you know, do it all the way kind of deal, you know? So it's kind of like Ross Robinson like, pulled him into this mm-hmm. heavy world, but then kind of was backtracking, knowing that better cure is when he just chills the fuck out a little bit. Exactly. You know? and, it's like, and it's like you said, maybe but, they uh, kind of committed to it. They're like, well, we're going to go with this sound or this particular. Yeah. Why, why have music? That, and you know? so, yeah. And maybe and Robert wanted think, to do something different and, Mm-hmm. It is what yeah. it is. But yeah, no, it's like yeah. you were saying, I, I have that quote pulled up. We don't have to read it, but but basically just like you were saying, Rob, you know, he wanted the, the, the darker songs. And I think the track listing said he had like eight. But a lot of those yeah. darker songs are like, you know, those seven minute, eight minute type songs. So it would be like Blood Flowers where, yeah, it's under 10 right. songs, but, you know, it's a good amount of time. It's really... Heavy, yeah, and I wonder, I mean, it would definitely change it just based on the outtakes and B-sides that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. and the album. I mean, you really could make at least three different, completely different albums with those oh, songs, yeah. you know? You, can, I mean, you could even make it one of those kind of combo albums like Kiss Me, we've got a little bit of everything, and that would have, yeah, you yeah. know, maybe would have appealed to the, the masses a little bit more. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's a good segue to dive into these songs then, because uh, I think a lot of people have made the argument that why wasn't this on there? Why isn't this? So, like, as much as the revisionist history kind of thing pops up, you know, maybe mm-hmm. this one there is some argument to be made that uh, some of these songs are better or should have just been on the album or could have flushed it out a little better. So, who knows? But, um, so yeah, what do you say? Should we pick some of these songs apart and see what, what you think? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so, and uh, as I was telling you before we hit record here, uh, I feel a little bad because we're just going randomly in the order that we sent the email to to each other and stuff, right. <laughs> and uh, it kind of just happened to be the first few I wasn't too crazy about, so I just want to warn the listeners, I'm not being totally negative Gavin again here, I do warm up to some of these songs, but, <laughs> but just out of chance, uh, some of them not so much. Not so much the first one, though. Truth, Goodness, and Beauty is a pretty cool song, and that's one I know a lot of people are pretty on board with, too. Um, and like a lot of these, they were on the vinyl. Um, some version, would you say the Japan one had a... Like, yeah, maybe... I think the Japan one had it. Okay, it, so yeah, like yeah, the... some of the CDs, and then it's had a few, but like my CD only had 11 tracks on it, but then the vinyl mm-hmm. has like four of these on there which kind of makes a crazy long album. But, um, but yeah, so this one I think popped up on a lot of stuff. Was it an official B-side ever on anything? I think it I had don't to think been, so. Right? No? Well, I, I feel like the only B-sides were um, The End of the World was really the only actual yeah single. true um yeah i just pulled out the cd singles i had um, End of the World had This Morning and Fake and See, then and, the two and those are on the Japanese one. Well, okay, yeah. so that's off of off of the end of the world. I think Alt End had, um, gosh, it had. Why can't I? Why be, can't I be oh, me? Yeah. Yeah, why can't I be me? And uh, your goddess fear. Yeah. And so you know, yeah, it, it's actually, out of time too. It's hard to tell. Too, same ones. 
Yeah, some of them have the same. That's the thing is it's not like the old days where it was like, you know, you, yeah. it was an actual vinyl and they had the B-sides. It just... Yeah, some, some wild mood swing shit going on here where yeah. like one version would have this and that, you know. So, so anyway, some versions, of these, I, guess yeah. it's, I guess it's safe to call these B-sides and outtakes. I don't really know, but they're just extra songs. So anyway, back to truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, truth, goodness, and beauty. I really love how it starts out. I think it's got like a really cool like catchy melody and something I griped yeah. about the album on is that it's just not catchy on a lot of it. Um, I feel like it does lose some of the steam as it goes for some reason. I just get that kind of feeling I have with a lot of the songs, but um, for the most part, it is like a really great song and definitely should have been on the album. There's at least like four songs. I think I would swap this out for on the actual album, but um, yeah, so I'm pretty on board with it. The vocals are cool. Um, I don't know. It just kind of seemed like it, it, it also kind of faded quickly. I got real excited for it when we decided we we're going to do this. And then by the end of today or yesterday's listens, when I was listening through again, I was kind of like, I don't know. I already feel like the song's kind of wearing off on me. <laughs> How do yeah. you feel about it? No, I kind of agree with you. I like the song a lot, especially when I first um, discovered it, but it's one of those ones where I think you kind of forget it. It's tucked away. And then when you maybe it comes on shuffle or something, you're like, Oh yeah, like I'll yeah. give it a listen. And it's like, this is a pretty good song. But you know, at the beginning really, it has that buildup, right? And then Robert has that long kind of, not a yell, I guess, but he holds out that note and it kind of gets loud yeah. and then goes into the song. But it's like you said, like, that's cool. And then the buildup and then it just kind of doesn't necessarily go Drags anywhere. It. Yeah. It almost yeah. just needs a really catchy chorus or something like the, it like starts out so good and then just doesn't really have that big mm-hmm. hook in the middle somewhere. I almost wonder if like he just taken the, some song, like even like, um, I don't know what's going on. We had mentioned in the last episode where it's kind of a nothing verse to that song. And then like the chorus is really catchy and you know, there should have been a little bit more of Beatlesy chopping up of songs and pieces maybe or something. And you can like, make some of these little catchier or something, but I feel like it just kind of flounders by the end, you know, he's just like, and I realized this is the one Donald kept referencing some song where Robert just keeps singing about how ugly he is or how, <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, like while like... listening to these again, I'm like, Oh, I think he's, this was the one he was listening to online. So like, it's a pretty cool song. Uh, would you put it on the album? You think it should have been on there? Uh, I would have taken out half of the songs on the album for this one or, yeah, I, I like this one a lot, but it's like you said, like it's it's good. It's not necessarily that catchy, but I would definitely t- it yeah. would take the place of something else. Yeah, a solid deep cut at least. So. Yeah, cool. Um, moving on to fake is uh, the one where he's talking about how he cannot fly, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> this one I'm not too like keen on it. He's just kind of saying stuff, and none of it stuck with me. I, I didn't really like this one too much. I liked that it wasn't like aggressive, like which was a lot of my problem with the regular album, you know, where it's like mm-hmm. not just him freaking out and yelling by the end, but like, <laughs> yeah. but it's still just kind of doesn't do anything for me. And uh, you know, I get my cure ADD for some reason, which I never had with any past albums, where I just kind of lose focus like halfway through the song i'm just like nah yeah what oh it's still going and like i can't like re- like recite it or sing it or get it stuck in my head or anything so i just feel like it's just not that great of a song you know but yeah. i don't know how do you feel on that one um it, it's an okay song at times i like it more than some days i guess like some, day, some days it's a really good song and other days i'm like this is yeah. not great I, it honestly just depends but I, I think it's another one of those ones where the I want to say it's the chorus 
where it goes like, always said you, you know me, but you don't know me at all. So if that, I mean, mm. if the lyrics, are, if you're having like a rough day or rough something going yeah. on, I think it'd be a good song that applies to you. But for the most part, just, an, just an okay song. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Another one that's on the f- vinyl, but not on the album. And, um, yeah, so uh, why can't I be me? You want to kick this one off? So uh, this is a confusing one. What do, you, what do you think of this one? It is, but honestly, I really like this. It's kind of like the um, anti "Why can't I be you?" Yeah. It's the opposite. Why can't I be myself? But and, and, you know, and that other song "Why Can't I Be You" is a great hit and it's very poppy and upbeat. And this is a little bit more reflective yeah. of this album, where it's just aggressive and he's just upset. Like, why can't I be? who I am, why can't I act a certain way? But it does get kind of confusing, and it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah, times, I'm but... not too keen on this one either, but it, I like the idea of like doing the spin and reference back to the song. But well, at the very I end, just... too, where where it says, uh, simply elegant, I think that was kind of cool, not you know, a yeah. nod to the other I don't song. really get otherwise what the connection is other than just, you know, finding himself or whatever. But at the same yeah. time, it's just kind of like, the whole point of why can't I be you isn't even that it's just a fun just song, for fun you know? yeah it's just for fun <laughs> it's just like exactly and this is like taking it serious this. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly this it kills the fun and it's one of those serious. ones where it's just it's aggressive like the rest of the album it's kind of like you have yeah. to be in that aggressive mood that just like yeah I think that's why I'm not into it and I guess it kind of like sometimes when he's singing Why Can't I Be You live, he'll kind of shout it by the end of the, you know, and it's almost the way he's singing the chorus on this one. But mm-hmm. it's like he took like the one worst part of Why Can't I Be You to slightly vocally reference even. <laughs> you made it <laughs> a total like, little song. <laughs> yeah, I just made a whole mm-hmm. song based out of it. So I was just kind of like, ah, all right. Yeah, and it just goes back to the yelling, which I... Spent way too long complaining about in the last episode, so I'll spare everybody this time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, moving forward, I'll start feeling more positive, I guess. And uh, um, Your God is Fear is a cool one. I'm down with this one, I think. Um, I am too. I-, I like this one a lot. Yeah. And it's like, a, I don't know, it's a it's a mopier one, but it's, it's um, and he does start the yelling by the end, but it seems more appropriate. And I, I get it, you know, it builds up well. I like that kind it of does, nasty yeah. bass guitar. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty cool. I think it, it captures, like, um, like a few of these will. Where it captures the whole kind of feel of this album and the, what they were going for, but in a way better way than a lot of the songs did. You know what I mean? It's, like, not necessarily <laughs> a sound of the cure that I love, but, like, um they did it right on these songs, you know, where it's still kind of long and he's still kind of screaming by the end, but at least it, I buy it. It kind of works. On, on yeah, it kind of works. Yeah. And it goes with yeah. the, um, with the, the theme of the song, which, you mm-hmm. know, Robert, as far as I, I know, my understanding is he's atheist. I don't think he believes mm-hmm. in God. I could be wrong. And that's this whole thing where like, I think his interpretation or the reason he wrote this song was that like, he thinks everyone who believes in God, this is just mm-hmm. my opinion, you know, is like, like it's all based off of fear and that you just yeah. think that all, all, you know, this is all there is and you have to live your life a certain way, which is, yeah. and I think that's interesting. I kind of got I, that too. I didn't, yeah. I didn't really, really look well, like you said. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it, it flows, you know, it's one of those songs like it's aggressive too, but I, like you said, I think it, this one does a good job of, of, of actually accomplishing what it sets out to do and, and flowing and not, 
going still in the middle. Dragging. Whatever you yeah, want to say. Some of those just like go down these weird avenues and it just drags and then it'll pop into drags, some other yeah. section. And you're just like, what? And one of the little footnotes I had was like, and ends just in time with a smiley face. So, that's <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, that, no, that's... And they just drag on and you're like, yeah, this, this says what it needs to and it's done. And I just want to say like my opinion of this song is, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the good thing about The Cure, right, is you can interpret it in different ways and you can apply yeah, it to yeah. it. That's one thing that's really gravitated me to this band and, and why I love them is that, um, I mean, I, I grew up Christian. And um, mm-hmm. and when I got older, my dad started to have different beliefs and he leave the – anyways, I'll try to like wrap this up or keep it short. But my dad left the church that yeah, we were part of as I was getting older and, and my parents got divorced over – religious indifferences and now my dad's very much like anti the church that his family grew up being and so this song to me just is just almost like me reflecting on my dad and going like hey your god is fear and the way that you're you're being anti and other people and forcing your ways and saying other people are wrong i don't know and that's just like i said that's my opinion that's one thing that's good i think that's what makes a good cure song totally yeah it makes total sense and uh yeah, I definitely got that vibe too. That it's it's in that vein, and even like us or them referencing back to that, we had talked about that and like how he had kind of been yeah. passing, but in his kind of vague Robert way, and mentioned it was you know all like 2004 Bush era stuff, you know, and it was kind of the most political that a lot of their songs would ever be, you know, and kind of yeah. then other people were saying, well, maybe it's more about religion than actual like war and war on That's terrorism and stuff. Well, they, yeah, it's hard. So, they don't come the out time, and say you know. Of, yeah, he never really says like, "Oh, this song is definitely about this." I mean, some songs yeah, will say exactly. what he was thinking when he was writing it. So, but I will say, in the 2016 tour, this was the song I went and used the. Re- I'm like, "Come on, this three hours." This is the song I decided. Okay, I'm going to the restroom finally. Yeah. And so I, you know, <laughs> got to go sometime. Yeah, for I, sure. I do, I, yeah, I, li- I like this song, but it's not one of my favorites on on this album. Yeah. I think it's. I don't know. It's like two. I think it's the angriest one in my. Yeah, he's freaking out pretty hard on that one. I definitely will take your goddess fear over that. That's why I kind of also jotted it was like a better one of that. You know, you could have swapped this one out and I would have been way happier. (laughs) It would have been just fine, yeah. Yeah, it covers all the uh, political, religious territory that we need to in a Cure song. Cool. Um, So, yeah, moving on to the next one. Uh, Not not a studio outtake by any means, but... um, so kind of out of context, but the boy I never knew is kind of a uh, elusive, uh, almost Bigfoot kind of cure song that has been mm-hmm. speculated on over the years. And uh, I remember kind of first catching wind of it, maybe even like a year after this album. I felt like a lot of people just kind of said stuff social media wise, and um, there's not even like an official recording, right? We had kind of talked about this. No, like, I think we just have like a really good live. Take, yeah, would be, would be my guess of what. what yeah, because I guess they played it live a few times, and the like the bootleg or whatever I have of it, it it's technically good. It's great performance wise, and it it's really almost is, good. Yeah. It still sounds kind of crappy MP3. But then I was joking with you. I was like, "Do you have one that doesn't have like this crazy screeching sound in it, though?" It's like this really like passionate, beautiful song, and then like the last like thirty seconds, maybe just goes like. Like the most like high pitch awful screech that keeps going all the way till after the song's even yeah. done, you know. And it's we like, have yeah, we must have the same one, and it's like somebody, and this is like the only one out there too. Somebody has like a uh-huh. um, one of those like video uh, flight simulator, like computer game type things, uh-huh. and it, and it's like quiet, but that's the video why the song is playing, and then at the end it's like while like the plane is landing or something, it's this like high pitched 
schooling sound and the song ends and it's still doing that. It's like, why would you do that? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe how would they, legal, I don't know. <laughs> am I just too much of an old fogey? I don't even know how you would like strip a bootleg audio from a, a video game or a flight simulator. Where, where, I don't get it. What, how would, <laughs> how's that even work? <laughs> I don't know. Are you, yeah, are you saying it just sounds like a flight simulator thing? Or no, it really, really oh. is. And so you okay. might have a copy that's like the the copy that I have, and then somebody took it and like maybe put pictures of the band in the background for the video. But I'll show you some yeah. time I can pull up on YouTube the video that I saw, and that's exactly where that okay. screeching yeah, is. Yeah, mine was from. just some total like MP3 thing floating around out there. I never even had like a YouTube version that I took the audio from. So oh, yeah, I'll, I'll show you, and it'll all make sense. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, that being said, if we're willing to listen to this whole song and even with a giant screech to it it's a beautiful song and really cool and just to me feels like a genuine cure song of you know every yeah this this is the cure like to me right here this song out of all of the takes or any any material they made for this album is like the most cure-esque song yeah yeah and it's just baffling for sure it should have all been this album (laughs) Yeah, that's like figures the one song I sincerely love out of the whole batch album and outtakes. It's the one that I don't even have a proper recording of, you know. But it's Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty unfortunate. But yeah, it's uh, it's just a really cool song. Um, I guess technically speculated on you know lyrical meaning or whatever the him singing about you know not having a child, which Mm -hmm. I mean it does pretty flat out feel like that. I can't really. It's kind of like yeah, exactly. You know, the obvious, it could never be the same. It's kind of like nobody's ever officially said anything, but you can really probably About like his mother passing or people speculate Bowie, things like that. Yeah, and you can kind of like the, tell it's, it's what it is. Something yeah. very personal, yeah. And, and yeah. probably in this one, you know, people speculate, and I guess it makes sense that that's why it was almost yeah. too passionate or too personal to put on the album even. And, and uh and yeah, come in those ones that apparently Ross Robinson has on his mix, but Robert said it just wouldn't have fit. And I guess stuck in the middle of all like the heavy cure, whatever the hell where he's screaming. Yeah, yeah, it would have stuck out. But I mean, you could definitely have peppered in a few of those more mellow ones and made like a pretty Balance solid. It out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would almost have built the album around this song, to, but I'm sure I was going for something way different than Robert. And so who am I? Doing? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, uh, um, so yeah, I hope, uh, you know, we all live long enough for the, uh, self-titled reissue to come out we can get an official version of this because there's got to be some kind of studio or version oh yeah for sure i've i've heard or i've read that this was Mm -hmm. like that they um were gonna like actually do a studio version of this and then it would have been part of like the darker um fourth 13 dream you know how they had like the dark album like it was gonna be a double album oh yeah yeah yeah. i don't know if that's true that's what i heard that they would actually polish this up yeah that yeah i wonder if some of these could have carried over to that or what but um yeah and i even heard kind of totally off topic with like everybody saying it could never be the same just put out the new song it's gonna be on the new album and everything and then heard some good evidence i kind of forget what the details were now but it was that that was one of the actual 413 outtake kind of deals from the other album so that and step into the light weren't even new in 26 2016 you know they're like just ones from the Extra, which totally makes sense. If he sense could leave out too, this kind of like, stuff oh, that we're yeah. talking out now, then it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, what the fuck? Right? <laughs> it's so weird. But, <laughs> but uh, 
Oh well, but uh, any other thoughts on the boy I never knew? This is my favorite of all of the of like I said, all this material, this this time period. Yeah. And to me, obviously, I agree with you. I think it's about him not having a son and or child in general. But I actually have, yeah. you know, I have my daughter; she's two, and then I have a another girl on the way in the summer. And so this song, when I listen to it, kind of makes me think of like, and I love having girls, and that's what I wanted. Um, yeah. I just think it'd be cool to have a boy. So to me, I listen to it, and I'm kind of like. That, like having a wish I had a boy to be like, you know, your heir and take over for you, yeah. I guess. So, but yeah, it's a really, it's a really good yeah. song. My favorite one out of all of these. Yeah, it is pretty sad when you really let yourself get into it, his perspective and thought of it from that, you know, yeah. way. And, and I've always wondered know, why, why like, they oh, didn't. Geez. Yeah. Some of the stuff I've heard is just that like just constantly being on the road or not having like the time or feeling yeah. like maybe what's the point of bringing a kid into this world. I don't know. You know, like I just speculate, yeah. but. Yeah, all those are <laughs> genuine concerns for sure. But uh, yeah, so I just said, so check that out if you're totally unaware, if nothing else. But we'll put a list of all these on the Facebook page and elsewhere out there, of course. Um, and then some rarer ones. I feel like the Strum one might be one that, you know, somebody that just bought the singles and stuff may not have uh, yeah. been aware of. I feel like I caught on to it way later. Same here, because it's um, not one of the ones that is on, like like we said, the vinyl has has all of the ones that, um, yeah. B-sides, whatever we're yeah. calling it, but this is one that's just online only, really. And, well, and who knows if it's yeah, really called Strum or what. Ching Ching Chong category. Kind of that, that category, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, whatever the hell these weird YouTube clips will just pop up. Or... Who knows where they came from. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it could be like from some crazy era that's like not even related. They'd be like, but hey, this was three imaginary like, boys, or I'm like, what? But you <laughs> yeah, never know. So, so don't blame us if this is something totally different. But I felt like it got narrowed down to it sounds Strum like it fits being, though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> most of them have enough of it, and uh, mm-hmm. I felt like it starts out with a really cool riff, um, like acoustic. I'm trying to think guitar. if I can hum it, but I'm not sure I can have it in my head. I wrote "Badu da do da do do." But I don't think that's how it sounds. <laughs> Something like but, uh, that. <laughs> yeah, close it's pretty enough. close. Yeah, it's like acoustic yet at the um, first, and then it gets into it. But it's like it will be so perfect, I said, too beautiful for words. It will, will be so yeah. perfect, I said, and then it kind of goes into the song. I, li- yeah. I like this it one, It feels though. a little more like old school Cure yeah, a bit. Yeah, I agree. You know? Like it could have been Wild Mood Swings or something even, you know? Um I could see definitely that. isn't freaking out by the end or anything. Yeah. Um, I think there's some acoustic, like you said, in there, which totally changes it up from a lot of what's on the actual self-titled album. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not a, again, not like one that's totally stuck in your head after one listen, not by any means, no, but, but at the same better time. better than half the stuff that's on the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's my second note, really. was just, definitely should have been on the album. Mm-hmm. Don't love it, but it, it's way better than most of the... Ones that I would have left out. I was kind of wondering, like, strum mean, and most of the stuff, you know, you look up, it's like, to strum an instrument, to strum strings. But one of the thing, things that I found online was, like, strum is something said when there's nothing else to say in a conversation. And I was like, that sounds like something right. that Robert would do. And then um, yeah, a comment somebody had about this song was, it sounds like, you know, people, and they're in this relationship, and they're like, this is going to be you know, perfect, everything will be great. And then sooner or later, something happens and things don't work out the way you think. And going along with the the lyrics at the end of the song, it's like, things can, let me see, at the very end, it says, it will still be perfect, you said, too beautiful for words. And it kind of reminds me of like, things happen in marriage or in a relationship that they can, you know, get better and, they, and nothing is going to be perfect, even when you think it's going to be. 
Yeah, I like that. Makes sense. <laughs> I don't know, but good song, I, I think. Uh, we had next Dragon Song, which is another one that I'm uh, just kind of got at one point fairly fairly later, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not really even sure what the full story is on this one. So this one um, actually, it's it's like a it's, I want to say German cartoon. I can't remember some cartoon okay. in in yeah. Europe or something, and the cure has to do it. But it's just it's it's a knockoff of. Um, Honestly, is it taking, taking off, off? I think, right? and the, yeah, exactly. yeah, taking off, and they just take someone. They're like, "Hey, we'll pay you money to make a song for this uh, cartoon." And they're like, "Hey, why don't we just take something we already have and we'll just throw in, you know, some yeah, lyrics that it's I gotta make be, right? Yeah. I haven't done like a total A B listen, but like the first few listens, I was like, ah, just I mean, it sounds almost exactly, and it's a little like, bit different. I think almost exactly. I think, like, yeah, I think it changes it a little bit, like <laughs> tempo or something, but it's taking off. It's yeah. <laughs> like yeah sure I'll you could pretty that. much yeah you could definitely just sing parts of taking off during the breaks of this song you know but it's all like just this really fast you know rhythm of you know lyrically and talking about dragons and shit yeah. so it is like it totally sounds like a cartoon opening song or whatever you yeah. know or some kind of how to tame your german dragon yeah, or something yeah. you know where it's like, three <laughs> so yeah <laughs> something it's it's definitely rambly but um yeah it's it's cool. I think I like taking off better, but uh, mm-hmm. less dragon shit. <laughs> but uh, worth worth checking out. And uh, yeah, someday when I'll really get bored, I'll do like a full on strum along to both just to see how see. close they are. If it's uh, but yeah, it seems like it had to have just been like he hadn't recorded the vocals yet. So we'll do this for the dragon thing, and then we'll for the album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, you know. I can't blame him for that. But uh, <laughs> cool. Um, and not often that you get the cure singing, you know, about mythical creatures or anything, it's, right? It's I mean, true. It's, uh, yeah. so <laughs> gotta take advantage of those moments. Um, then it's kind of back to. Uh, accessible besides with uh this morning i had on the list and that's a uh, one i think people are pretty fond of it's a, good one. It's a long a one yeah it's like almost eight minutes or something like that it's almost like a like faith part yeah. two or something where it's that ending song that's just mm-hmm. a longer one super long yeah i i kind of got or it was definitely in the vein of um uh your god is fear in the sense that it it um it's exactly, you know, the sound of this album. It feels very self-titled album for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Better or worse with that even, but it works again. Yeah, no, true. Really it kind of well sums up and, the album, you know, even like, though the album's imperfect. It, it tries to, I think, sum up what the theme was. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it's almost too much, but then again, it just ends just in time where I'm like, all right, where I'm starting to check my watch, you know? Uh-huh. Well, what would you <laughs> like, rather have? Would so. you rather have... Well, think about this. Like the U.S. pressings uh-huh. of the album end with the with what's it called, the promise? I think isn't it the last track? Yeah. But all the other ones, aside from the Japanese one that has, um, you know, those other tracks, does it end with have, this? Okay. Yeah, the U.S. Oh, one ends with the promise. The mm-hmm. um, all like all the other ones end with going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know. I think going nowhere is a good That's... ending to it. But I'm just saying, what would you rather have? Yeah. The, the promise, or would you rather have? this morning as, as an ending 
Yeah, I wasn't even sure if they ever had it on, on any of the pressings, but I had just in parentheses written, this probably would have been the best closer. Like, I think I w- it would have been a, definitely better than The Promise. See, I, I, agree, promise I agree with that. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I almost I like defended The Promise more in the last one because I feel like you have never to, <laughs> that much more. But yeah. Kind of. Yeah, but I mean, this, was, this captures everything that The Promise is trying to do, but in a way cooler way where, like, the changes are, like, you know, cooler, you know, like the song builds in like a cool rock way. And then it's still it's just like different. has some singing yeah. and yeah, the aggression swells, but I mean, it's everything. And it just, with the promise, it's kind of, it this is like, it. Yeah. This is one. Yeah. That's just kind of like beating cool. a dead horse with that song. Right. It's just like, okay, Very stop. You know? <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think this one would have been way better um, as a closer. Why not? But uh yeah yeah so it's pretty cool i mean i'm not crazy about it as far as just a cure song but at the same time i think it, it has everything that they were going for and does it way better than a lot of the songs that are on the album so yeah should have been on there for sure and i guess technically was on some but <laughs> the vinyl, I guess. So, yeah so where was it on the vinyl dude it's a last oh, track on the like vinyl a... so basically like okay, the japanese one, one the japanese one has like fake truth goodness and beauty it has all those mm-hmm. those ones that actually are out my there. Vinyl, I had it pulled out for the other episode, but I don't have it. Yeah, they're all kind of sprinkled in in weird spots. And I remember they just kind of put the, a few in the end there. I wasn't sure if it was this one. I think go, going that, Nowhere uh, is going nowhere. It's technically the last song on like everywhere, all the regular CDs except for the, the U.S. And then the vinyl has This Morning After Going Nowhere. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I feel like it has to, with this rock album, you kind of have to end it with something rocking, which I'm usually in favor of, like, a nice, sad, slow song to finish it out or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I do feel like it's like, you come on this rowdy journey through the whole thing of him yelling at us for an hour or whatever. Yeah, you know? gotta sum it it's up, like, why yeah. get all nice now here yeah, at the exactly. end? Yeah, so. But, um... Cool, but uh, going nowhere, and I think this one might be universally, or maybe it's just the company that it hangs out in, but I think this song's beautiful, and maybe as far as behind like the boy I never knew that didn't officially have a recording, <laughs> this is my favorite. I think this is like such a good song. Um, it grows on me too, maybe just because I haven't killed it over the years of listening to it a billion times, mm-hmm. but it's like, I mean, I, it's a kind of a cop-out to say that because it is the most like old school cure slow song that he's singing low and not yelling and you know hurts everything that i normally like in a cure song so i of course like this one but uh yeah it's uh it's a really nice song it's got like that fancy roger keys going again and uh i like that it's just got a nice melody and pretty pretty chill and uh yeah I don't know. You down with it? I am, and I, I agree with you with that uh, out of all the ones, aside from a boy I never knew. So, like, actually, studio um, ones, this is probably the best one of those. And, you know, the title Going yeah. Nowhere, I think, would have been maybe a better fitting for a song like The Promise or a song Ooh. that literally goes nowhere. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. but this song... Um, it's, it's, or the album Or the title. album could have been called Going Nowhere and, didn't, and did not include this song. <laughs> But, yeah, um, true. <laughs> but it's a good song, and I, I like it, classic Cure, where it's um, you know just just that darker feel to it, and kind of like that hopelessness mm-hmm. or futility kind of feel. That's cool, and I guess I have to call it that I totally fucked up on the uh, Blood Flowers episode. We had the instrumental one, and I guess we lumped that in there, but uh, 
I didn't even realize that that was the same tune at the time there. And it sounds like, uh, similar, but I don't know, that's what I've heard. Yeah, I don't know for sure how, if it really is. I, I'm, I'm assuming I probably just screwed up the timeline, but I almost wondered too if it was like an outtake from those that they brought in and redid again. It could be. I mean, I guess that's not totally, totally out of the question. Because it does kind of sound like, like out of that era, like kind of, kind of fits a little bit. Yeah. That does sound like a, like a Yeah, it definitely fits more on Bloodflowers than this. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it feels like, like it could have been a Bloodflowers song for sure. Um, yeah, it's cool. And um, some of the ones you hit me up with while we were preparing to do this, there's like a couple of YouTube-ish floating around variations of this song too that are worth checking out. Um, I guess the first one you sent me was a, a live thing. It sounded kind of like acoustic live, but I guess... It's hard to say what exactly. Did you say you figured out where it was from? Like, it just seems like a weird one for them to ever play live, but it uh, was definitely um, live. I think in the comments, someone said it was like, like 2004 Spain, and, and it actually had footage, so okay. it was live. Oh, wow. So it would be cool to hear cool. this one live. Yeah, this would be an be... interesting one. Yeah, I would definitely totally be down to that. It seems like a weird choice, but that would be great to hear that um, live for sure. And... Uh, yeah, and then on top of that, you had sent a, a demo one that had uh, different vocals. Like, uh, it was a little bit more like, like happy, less finished. Like uplift, not uplifting. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, it wasn't as like was, mopey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was also it short though. It was like the, what, like maybe a minute or less. It wasn't that? Yeah, kind of cuts yeah. and. Yeah. So kind of got the idea rolling with some different vocals or different lyrics anyway. And mm-hmm. then uh, and then another cool one was the high vocals one where he just kind of pushed everything up an octave. I kind of feel like that fits better more, with this album where it's just a little bit more aggressive or over the top. Yeah, it fits better, but I don't like it you as don't much. don't like it as much, but <laughs> exactly. with the, with, yeah. in relation to this album, I think. Yeah, for sure. What they were going so it's kind of cool just hearing him do it that way though where it sounded you know sounds a little bit more like helpless that, um... and like emphasizes the, mm-hmm. the, the theme but i do like the original take better but, yeah. yeah yeah plus there's just so much yelling with the other song you need to take, you need to take a break from kinda, it yeah kinda, <laughs> yeah it's gonna be tired <laughs> i'm not doing on this one too <laughs> so yeah maybe they decided to do it that way but <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, some good uh, variations out there, too. If anybody else is out there and a fan of this song, it's worth spending a few minutes. Uh, I think all those are on YouTube, right? So, <laughs> yeah. um, and some variation, you can find it if you find the right wording there, and we'll try to get a playlist together. But, um, yeah, worth digging around, because it's, it's, most of them are pretty good quality, where it's at least listenable, you know, mm-hmm. on a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess in this vein, too, before we go to the last uh, official outtake um you had found some cool variations on uh taking off too it was uh two acoustic ones and um it was kind of cool like the first one um i just was listening to it one last time while making a pizza tonight and i was like is it just straight up robert smith acoustic doesn't it sound like that it almost sounds like it's like just him and maybe like someone with a one of them sounds like someone's on like a tambourine or something and then and then just the acoustic guitar. yeah the second one was like a live acoustic and that one definitely had like a tambourine going nuts that's the one i was thinking and, of. Um, this other one yeah kind of sounds so, like yeah like just him maybe yeah which is really weird you don't really get too much solo robert you really don't but, like how would you have gotten that from him uh, yeah who knows but it's cool and um yeah that one was like kind of the same deal but just 
acoustic and it was kind of cool and it strips it back because before even hearing that in the last episode i i was kind of knocking the album by saying there's only a couple songs that would even sound good on an acoustic guitar and to me that's like a true test of a great song is if you can just kind of play Mm -hmm. it on an acoustic guitar and it still sounds great you know it's like definitely doesn't have to sound better and probably wouldn't but it just kind of strips it down you know and i think when you really do strip it down like that you see that taking off in particular is like one of the better songs on this album for sure and you know one of my sad comments for this song on the last episode was that it's just kind of buried in this album of songs i don't like that much so it's almost too little too late you at that point you know? you're just so mad at that point yeah. you're like, what am I, what's going on and then this happens and you don't really yeah, appreciate it it is a really cool song mm-hmm. yeah i've definitely it's grown on me a lot and then even just re-examining this album has really made me kind of focus on what a great song that is and you know, and it is because it is a bit of a nod or, you know, throwback feel again, where it's you know, got that totally in between days, just like heaven kind of feel to, to the acoustic guitar on it and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. so, I mean, a, a lot of it's that, you know, but at the same time, these acoustic ones are really cool because it, it showcases that. And then the second one, like we're saying, is kind of like it has more of like the MTV unplugged feel. Where, yeah, that's a good point. Um, he even bumps the vocals down, you know, mm-hmm. where he sings it kind of like how when he does like Mellow Boys Don't Cry and stuff on Unplugged. Yeah, so it's a little bit and, different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's cool where you kind of get the vibe and they have the shakers and the tambourines going yeah, and stuff. and fun then, little spin on it. But, eh. So pretty cool. I had never heard that in my life. So thank you. I don't even know what the hell that came off of. Or did I don't it do know, like an I acoustic radio set or something? Maybe. Would yeah. think, but I, I totally agree with you in the sense that, like, you know, if, if you can just play a song on acoustically and it just works and sounds good, like, does make a good song. Like, can you imagine him doing just an acoustic yeah. take of like us or them? I mean, if he totally changes it up, I guess it could sound yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, all these. So yeah, you kind of wonder again. So then I can blame Ross Robinson, man. He should have been like, let's take it down a notch, guys. Yeah, he could have. <laughs> Don't Red Bull it up, man. Take it down a few <laughs> notches. <laughs> Old man Robert doesn't need to be screaming <laughs> promise for 10 minutes. <laughs> they just done it like some mellow version. Maybe it had been a really cool song. Well, and who knows? If they, were, anyway. if they were recording this live, how long, how many takes had to do of that? So where they, you know, and it's about 10 minutes and they did 10 takes or something. They're yeah. Spending- you know, who knows how long True. his voice is shot. <laughs> Take like a month just to do like three takes of that song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess then the last one I had was Please Come Home, which is another kind of like strum where I'm not really sure where the hell this came from or um, wouldn't be surprised if there's some other backstory where I'm totally missing on this one. But uh it's another one of those kind of YouTube floating around mm-hmm. ones where I'm like, what was this song? And, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, I really like it. Me too. And it's one of those ones where I feel like Robert's like, well, there's a really good song. Okay, don't put it on the album. <laughs> Just yeah, put it on the yeah, internet. People, I mean, it, people will find it. The true fans will find it. Find yeah, it it's like, what the fuck? So yeah, yeah, that's a surprising one where it's like, if man, this could have totally, this thrown in there with like going nowhere and boy, I never knew. It's like, you really do have like the core of like solid. a completely different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or at least just taking the edge off of it in a good way you know i know you wanted the album to have an edge to it but, but it's like you said like, like like we mentioned it could have kind of been balanced out like you'd have that that edginess to it but also kind of your, mm-hmm. your who you are sort of deal um yeah i did on the um fans of the qr facebook page I, I made a little poll of like what's your favorite rarity from the self-titled album 
And uh, well, this time, because oh, yeah. I had done that in the past and I left the option open for people to like write in just in case there, like, there was something mm-hmm. I didn't know about and people would put like B-sides from a totally different era. So I had to make sure that they couldn't right. do it. I'm like, well, it's yeah. But uh, this was one of the top ones was, I think it was the top one was, was Please Come Home. So it sounds really? like people know about it and they really enjoy this one. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh yeah, it's a weird one. And, um, and, and, you know, and even by the end, it builds in like a very self-titled way where he is kind of almost screaming again. But by it's the not end, like but it's over like the top. A, it's not like super yeah, aggressive, it's but like it's, a, yeah. It's like a passionate level instead of aggressive. It works level, you without know? it being like, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And the lyrics are actually kind of oddly straight up for Robert Smith too, where it's like a very just like, flat out like longing song i didn't even yeah, feel just, like it was like which is yeah you know, i mean they're nothing like super mesmerizing but at the same time it's just yeah it's like kind of strange for him to just flat out have this sad love song kind of feel you know it was like oh yeah okay. yeah because yeah a lot of the stuff you know it's kind of like a little bit vague where you're like i wonder what he was what he's really going for here this is very direct where it's like okay this is exactly what he's yeah, going for maybe Maybe that's why I hated it too. Good, too he's like, this is this is too boring. You know, or, yeah. <laughs> like, no, was this it is good. Pulled from some like awesome literature or something. It was just like, nope, just, nope. A, just a dumb love song. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. And he makes the decisions. But it's actually kind of refreshing, I think, yeah. to hear just like a like you know. I'm sitting at the window, kind of. I forget what the lines are exactly, but it's something about like this, like waiting for you to, to come, come back. back. Yeah. Yeah, and it's great. It's a it's a great song, great lyrics. Yeah. Even though they're very direct. Beautiful. Yeah, who knows why it's not on the yeah. album? Yeah, so I mean, like we said, it's like technically can't blame him for that. You blame you know, him for like a Robert lot, you, most of it, but I guess give him a yeah. little bit of whatever. <laughs> like we said, you know, by that point, you can't backtrack and say, all right, well, let's make it sound like a conventional Cure record after he's been like knocking over chairs and yelling at them and putting them through all this hell, you know? Yeah. To and I, certain I uh, agree, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. Robert's probably like, well, we better just use that. You know, that's what we did for the experiment. You know, we didn't, <laughs> they could have made a, but... a mid tempo mopey album standing on their head. They could do that anytime. That's you know? true. It's and like, I think that's the thing is he wanted uh, something different, something that kind of like you know, sparked his interest, wanted him to get back. To, to making a record yeah. it's kind of like lately supposedly with them um getting back to the studio now is that like when mm-hmm. he was doing um i forget curation and one of those things right he was saying all those artists kind of made him want to have that creativity and, and, and get back and it sounded like yeah. at this time um i guess he had heard that ross robinson like was a fan of his and then they got in communication and he wanted them to produce the record and and um, mm-hmm. I don't know, just but, but it sounds like it ultimately came down to Robert. But I, I had sent you something, and it sounded like and it was what did it? It was one of those chain of flowers articles, and it was mm-hmm. I think it was titled like Ross Robertson is an asshole or something like that. And it talked about yeah, like yeah, how yeah. he would sit there and scream at them, and one day he like threw a candle at, at uh, Roger's head, and people were, in the comments were like, "Well, maybe this is why Roger, because wasn't he gone by the next album? And he didn't come back until." like now yeah I think. we speculated on this a bit too and it, and i think there was definitely some tension and maybe the seeds were in all this because um yeah apparently simon and perry definitely had some quotes of not being down with the style of recording this and i could Don't only blame imagine him. roger yeah. was the same way yeah the and, keyboards because uh, usually his keyboards are very mellow and yeah yeah, the keyboard's all buried in the album anyway, barely anything. Yeah, so I could totally see it. But, I mean, they played the whole tour with them and stuff after this, so it wasn't, like, immediately, like, all right, fuck this, we're out kind yeah. of thing. 
So, but I mean, it could have been a seed of like, you know, and just enough where he probably could have gotten over it and came back and it makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, something's up with Perry too that, you know, after all this. He was know, gone after this, then, right? And that was it. Yeah. But I mean, again, it was a pretty long year of touring after this. I mean, if, if they were really mad at each other, or he was mad at Robert for going through all this. I, I think it probably would have boiled before that. So there's probably other shit involved, you know, but, um, Hard to say, but uh, I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the things we kind of stumbled into talking in the last episode, too, again, was just like when you really listen to the album, it almost sounds like Jason Cooper and Robert Smith were the only two that were really, really into, into it. this bullshit. I was, just <laughs> thinking, I was just thinking that. I was like, I was kind of curious what Donald's take on Jason's drumming in this yeah. is because it's a very different style than, than how you picture the cue. Yeah. And it does sound like he's yeah, into it's it. It's kind of what we boiled it down to is that they're both playing their asses off like better, probably even Robert. I mean, he's singing so good on these and he's just hooting and hollering and everything's like, damn, you know, but it's like, same time, it's just the songs aren't good, you know, or as yeah. good. And, you know, and it's just like, and even Jason's drumming, I don't really want to hear the cure drum like that. But yeah. Not that it's I bad. Mean, I mean, it's good, but con- it's not what you want no, to hear. It's great, I'll go somewhere else it, for that. Yeah, yeah. But, and he's just playing his ass off. But we got to the even point where we're saying, like, the promise, we would have rather just heard the drum track. <laughs> just the drum track. Cool, that's it. You know? yeah. yeah. It's like, screw the rest of the song. Let's just hear him rock out on drums, man, because he's nailing it but uh so yeah there's uh there's something something up with all that for but, sure uh, well, i'll say as a musician like i know you're you're a musician and well oh, on, yeah. on my drive home from work today i was listening to um your covers album and you have a cover of the end of the world that's really good that's kind of off topic but just yeah, in case anyone hasn't checked that out yeah no good thank you. good stuff but um as a musician you know sometimes when you're in a band you know you can be friends with people but sometimes you'll play a song or somebody will have written a song and then they really like it and you might not. In my early twenties, I played in a band and we only played at a, at a couple of places, but you know, you would practice all the time. And sometimes there's songs where like yeah. one person loves it. And like, I, I play bass. And so like, you know, sometimes the song sounds great, but the bass might be boring. And as the, the bass player, you're like, right. you don't really want to play because it's not as fun. Uh, you know, other aspects of it might be, yeah. might be fun, but it's so hard to like give your all or be into it. If it's not something you enjoy or it yeah. doesn't appeal to you. Yeah, for sure. It's always, and I think there's a huge part of that, especially with Cure stuff, trying to be diplomatic about choosing the songs and stuff like that. When you have these huge bodies on each album to choose from, Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of votes go in that way, you know, and it might even just be, you know, like we were saying too, it's like usually the musicians or or the songwriter in particular is like the last one to know what the best song is on the album. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, they're not going to like the one that, you know, some cheesy pop song could be great to everybody else that hears it, but the singers go like, ah, oh, no, I'm just making some crap up, but it, right. you know, it just happens to be a really catchy song, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, so, uh, yeah, I'm sure that's gotta be a factor and probably like a huge reason why a lot of these weren't on there. Like we're saying, they're either too personal or too nothing at all to Robert probably. So, or, you know, could be like what you're saying with the bandmates are just kind of like, I don't know, man, you can't, I'm not even Rogers. Like I didn't even play anything. I just played one note or something. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, it's like, why would I want to vote for this song to be on the album? I'm Mm. not even doing anything on this rock opera that's going on for 10 minutes <laughs> exactly so, who knows exactly. i'm sure there's a lot of politics involved but i don't even know how much the other guys in the band have a vote of the track listing by the end you know it's probably just robert and whatever producer arguing over it but um, probably 
I would like to think they have some say, you know. <laughs> you would hope so, and I but, feel like Robert's a pretty fair gather. You know, so yeah, he'd be like, here's the track list, you guys. And I think he'd probably just mm-hmm. feed off of whatever energy that, you know, if they really love the song, they would probably, yeah. it would probably come through in the song, too, and that would make him like it more. He's usually yeah, how band you, stuff you, works, mm-hmm. too. Or if you, you would think so. I guess at the top, we didn't get your full-on um, just... You know, we don't have to go song by song of the actual album, too. But do you have any highlights and lowlights of the actual what was released on the self-titled album? Or um, I, I, I'm trying to think what I really liked when it first came, or when I first started listening to it. Um, I really liked Taking Off. I thought that would have been the best one for a single because it's kind of like you said, maybe a little reminiscent yeah. of like um, Just Like Heaven or something like that. Not as good as those, but, yeah. but kind of along those same poppy, right. poppy kind of. Um, I liked, I used to really like Labyrinth. I thought that one was kind of cool, where it is heavy, but I kind of like that one. Yeah. Lately, though, um, I, I like, there are three songs towards the end, and I probably just went through one of those phases where I, I didn't like these songs, and now I'm trying to get an appreciation for them. And one is, uh-huh. um, I think, Never, I Don't Know What's Going On, and Alt End. And I just feel like those songs kind of tie in. Like, as I was listening to them, the lyrics almost kind of sounded like, wanting out of a relationship or like i don't know what's going on i don't want to like yeah. one of them says like i don't want another glow around and i want this to be it and then i just like those yeah. those three kind of songs all kind of have the same theme yeah. to them but you can I don't see know. that mostly it's just one day i like one song one day's another but i um, kind of hop around one, yeah. one i will yeah, say that's... that i'm not that big of a fan of is is anniversary i feel like it's just kind of bland like it just kind of very like quiet yeah. and soft huh. Um, yeah, that's what Chaz and Donald were definitely. Well, Donald hated all of them. But Chaz <laughs> so, was, yeah, there's no surprise like, there. I was defending Anniversary. I was like, I kind of like that one because it felt a little more like Blood Flowersy and stuff. It's but a it little more is, mellow and, and, and dark, but I just felt like it was yeah, kind of like it's one, definitely boring. Two, yeah. But but uh, I would take boring at this point over right. the rest. Over but uh, super angry. But um, when I when I was first <laughs> listening to this me. album, that right when I when I first listened to this mm-hmm. album, though, my friend had made me burnt copies of of all of these, you know, this was pre Spotify mm. or those sorts of things. And, um, the song before three had like a uh-huh. scratch on it or something. Cause at the beginning it would make this like, dun, 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 like it was like skipping. And then I didn't realize till later that that wasn't actually part of the song. And I was like, I kind of like that. Cause it was what I was, right. it was the norm. I was <laughs> like, I grew up with it. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's, now I know that's not what it actually is, but but the, yeah. you know, some days I like some of these songs. Good. Some days I I don't. It's not, I don't know. It's like I said, you have yeah. to be in the mood for this album. And hmm. yeah, and none of it's like dreadfully like you're saying. It's just, I don't want to say oh, like this is the worst. Or, yeah, it's not offensive. But, it's not like oh, this is yeah, garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I will never listen to this. I I like it and I can appreciate it at times, but it's not be like I don't open up my okay. What am I going to listen to? Like oh, how about the self titled? Like it has to be like a certain yeah. You know, you're in the mood for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the worst thing against it really is that all the other Cure albums are so good, you know? <laughs> yeah. It just makes it look bad, you know? So exactly. It's, like, it's still right. a good album. I was thinking, like, like star ratings. Like, I would give this probably, like, a three, and then, I mean, everything else would be four or five. Yeah, off Maybe the chart kind yeah, of thing. So yeah, so it's like this is a good album. It's good. It's Cure, and, and, yeah, but yeah. it's not. it's not up to par. 
Cool, man. Well, I guess we'll wrap up that portion and uh, and uh, move on to 413 is around the corner. So uh, four that'll years. be fun. Yeah, we'll see everyone in four years. That's right. <laughs> is that what he did so. during... Is that, what is that from? I think... No. That's from the trilogy DVD. And then he's like, both times he's like, we'll see you see in you 11 in... years. Or... Yeah, it yeah. <laughs> sounds about right. That's what it feels like right no, now. He literally meant that. No, it's for real. It wasn't yeah, a joke. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, stay on the line, but we'll sign off to these guys for this portion. And uh, thanks so much for talking through these great songs. Like we said, we'll put a track listing uh, or playlist together on the Facebook page so you can track some of these down if uh, you want them all in one place or are unfamiliar with any of them for whatever reason. So, uh, Cool, man. Thanks for st- steering some of those my way and hashing them out with me, Coulter. Of course, no problem. All right, again, special thanks to Coulter. Always a pleasure talking with you, man. And uh, before we roll, we did get some contributions in email format. So if you don't mind, I'm going to dive right into those and read you a few other perspectives on this self-titled album. I do apologize, my my uh, face cold is kind of seeping out right now, but um, bear with me. So uh, our first write-in was from our buddy Scott, who uh, we've gotten to know on Instagram there. So it's good to have a uh, full opinion from Scott here in email format. And he's going to write in about the self-titled album. Here's what Scott has to say. He says, I'm really torn on the album. On one hand, it's a raw, emotional, and impactful on the other, it's a little too raw. It's quite possibly the closest to a live performance the band ever caught in the studio. And for that, I appreciate it even more since I've loved every per- live performance I've ever seen from the band. It's also probably in the bottom four of their albums for me, though. I think the opener, Lost, is beautiful and a worthy opener. The energy Robert gives in his vocal performance is amazing. I hate to keep using the term raw to describe it, but few other adjectives quite capture the feel. Lyrically, who hasn't felt lost before? The urge to scream out or to rage, to not feel like yourself, it's one hell of a good song. Labyrinth is alright. It's a decent rocker, but that's about all I feel about it. Before three, it's good. It feels, and I keep using the word feels, but that's what the cure is for me, unbridled feeling. Like a Cure song, it feels like a Cure song for the first Cure-sounding song on the album, and it won't be the last. The End of the World is a cool single. I don't have much more to say about it than that. It's basically a Cure sort of love song single. Anniversary is one of those songs that builds and builds and builds and goes nowhere. It's a skip, usually. At this point, I just feel like I'm kind of unqualified to really comment on the album because it's one that I've listened to the least, but I digress. Us or Them is another raw, live-feeling song. I think if it was produced a little cleaner with additional layers, it could be one of their more moody tracks. Instead, it just feels like a rage, which works better on songs like Shiver and Shake and Give Me It, which though neither were overly produced, were just better overall songs. And it gets props for all the F-bombs. Alt-End is completely disposable and entirely forgettable. I had to turn it on again just to remind me of what song it was. Oh yeah, that one. Next. I don't know what's going on. 
I don't know what's going on with all the parentheses in this title. Song's alright, though. Sounds a little more cure as Robert hits the high notes again. The song says little, though, and goes nowhere. Taking Off is the most cure song on the album, uh, as they obviously try to recreate Just Like Heaven with an almost identical guitar riff. I mean, seriously, it feels like a complete ripoff of Just Like Heaven. But that being said, I do really dig it. Never. The rhythmic, the rhythmic buildup is far too much, but at least it gets somewhere. When they cut loose into the hook, it's better. Again, I dig the raw vocals and solid drums, but the rest is too corny, as in corn. Tighten up your strings, boys. The Promise tries hard to invoke the great epics like The Kiss and Cut, but just meanders. The drums are really cool, and the wah-wah pedal's in full effect, but it takes too long to get there. Four minutes and 24 seconds of repetitive jamming before something happens, and then you're back to jamming a minute later, and then repeat. Has a solid finish, though. Probably be higher on my list if you cut about six minutes out of it. I haven't heard much of the additional songs yet since I just discovered their existence about two months ago. Pretty sad for a guy that's been a diehard fan since 1988. But overall, the album has some cool moments, but not great ones. It was a nice addition at the time of its release because I was so damn tired of alternative music at that time. I also remember it being hailed by the critics as a return to greatness for the band, which left me scratching my head because it still pales in comparison to the past greats. Hell, even the good half of Wild Mood Swings is far better than this. I'd still rather listen to this over Bloodflowers, though. I think Bloodflowers, the album that wanted to be the great one, never quite made it there. Anyway, at least it's not 413 Dream. Peace, Scott. Alright, so yeah, a lot of uh, the opinions synced up with what we said last episode and onward as far as the individual songs. But it's funny to see how where everyone's distaste uh, kind of varies a little bit. Like, uh, like I'm feeling pretty good going towards 413. I think that's a, bit, a swing back up for me. But um, not getting that vibe from Scott. And uh, I'd still take Bloodflowers over this one, I think. But, uh, you know, the slight variations, that's what makes it cool. Everyone's got their uh, slight preferred cure plate, if you will. Um so yeah, you can catch Scott. He has his own podcast. Definitely worth checking out. I've heard the first couple episodes of both of these and really enjoy them and look forward to digging in more. One's called Nerds with Attitude, and the other one is a Star Wars podcast, Sarlacc Digest. And both of those can be found on iTunes. Uh, I'll put a link on our Facebook page uh, for you to check them out too. But um, yeah, they sound great. And uh, being a closet Star Wars nerd, I'm definitely on board. So thank you so much, Scott. And uh Look forward to hearing from you more on the podcast here. The next one we got was from a fellow that goes by Weird Mountain on Instagram. He did another quickie kind of track by track. So let me read what he has to say about this self-titled album and see where that matches up with Scott and us and your opinions out there. Let's see what he wrote. He wrote, I never listened to this album until it was about 10 years old. I always thought it would stink, and maybe those low expectations going in made it end up sounding better to me. It's definitely got its moments. When I started typing this up, I didn't realize or expect to end up doing a song-by-song review, but I got listening to the whole album straight away, and uh, that's what happened. 
Between the riffs and the lyrics and melody, Lost sounds like a neurosis song, to the point where I'd love to hear them cover it if they didn't already have a song with that title. It's a strange way to open an album either way. Labyrinth feels conceptually titled um, in that it never really finds its way and was a poor choice to be the second song on the album. Before a three is okay, and the end of the world makes me feel the same way songs from Wild Mood Swings makes me feel. They're not spectacular, but they're nice return to focus after Labyrinth. The anniversary starts off with a cool atmospheric feel, but also never really goes anywhere. It's okay as a bridge-type song to go, to go through, though. Us or Them is a feel that I always like from The Cure. Between the riffs and Robert screaming his head off, it's not a phenomenal song by any means. And if I was the one sequencing the album, I actually wouldn't, it wouldn't make the cut. Neither would Labyrinth. I do like Alt End. It's a traditional Cure song, as far as I hear it. I don't know what's going on. First of all, what's going on with the punctuation of this title? The song sounds like an afterthought and is another one that could have been omitted and might have been a stronger album for it. Taking Off is another one that would get a pretty damn solid rating, and I don't like Never, the beginning, but I like it by the end, if that makes sense. The Promise is another one that delivers something I love, which is a good long dirge from The Cure, even if I kind of hate how the song ends. I always keep my iTunes on repeat, and I do like how the start of Lost sounds immediately after the end of Promise. And then the review ends with, My problem with this album is that it feels more like a collection of random songs than a focused album. I like the different eras and styles that The Cure has done over the past 40 years, but this album tried to cram in too many desperate, disjointed styles. I could have been, it could have been, a much more solid album if it were only 7 or 8 songs instead of 11. I also always find it strange when a band makes a self-titled album and it's not their first album. And this is an extra weird considering and this is extra weird considering how late in the Cure's career this one came out. Weird Mountain on Instagram. Well, thanks Weird Mountain and definitely um, some crossover points there not only between us but with what Scott just said. Um, I think we're all in agreement that Labyrinth is a bit of a train wreck and um but yeah, again, I, I, I've never tried the experiment of this promise really kind of lead back into Lost. That's pretty cool if it does. Um, yeah, and you know, it is weird. We talked about the self-titled thing. Like, why this album? Especially if you're going to say this is the defining Cure sound album because this is probably the most not defining sound album by the Cure at all. So it's got to just be that reinventing idea that we came up with in the last episode. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a real weird choice making this the self-titled album. Really should have been lost or going nowhere, in my opinion, because that seems to be the review of most people's songs. These songs are going nowhere. But I guess you can't name your album Going Nowhere. So, all right, thanks so much, Weird Mountain. All right, again, special thanks to Coulter for always taking the time to talk with us. And uh, 
all those great opinions. Thank you so much, Coulter, Matt, Scott, and Weird Mountain as well. And uh, just to wrap up this episode and all thoughts on 2004's self-titled album for now, just wanted to kind of read through you. A lot of times we ask for help on the Instagram account to steer people our way as far as sending in contributions, but a lot of people like to just chime in right then and there and say, you know, a quick one-liner about it. So, um, and a special thanks to Chaz as always, but uh, he posted... Um, that we were looking for contributions too. And this was on his portion of uh, Instagram under his 17 underscore seconds account. Um, so some of the responses when asked, what do you think of the self-titled album? Um, and sorry in advance of misreading these handles. I don't, I, they're like trying to read pre- personalized license plates a lot of times. I don't know. I, I'm just don't get the joke sometimes or um, so I'm sorry if I misread your handle names, but uh, this one's like Shememson, S-H Memson. And uh, always has funny and enlightening things to share but uh in this case he says end of the world or i'm not even sure if it's a guy or not i guess but um this person says end of the world was the last good song they released everything else on that record and the one after was unlistenable trash what and then uh zapple three responded wow no and then he responded it's sad but it's true no one is more bummed about that than me so not a fan from here on out. Well, a fan, but not a fan of those records. So um, Donald chimed in. He said, I barely had any opinions on this record. <laughs> we noticed. And um, on top of that, Jeremy Allen Gould said, it's great. So there we go. Someone that's actually for the album. So that's refreshing to hear. Plastic Passion, Plastic Fashion wrote, oh God, I could go on forever about how crap it was. All Robert's fault for enlisting Ross Robinson. Ooh. Um, and Corduroy Institute said the B-sides are the best part of the album. So hopefully you enjoyed our thoughts here on the B-sides. Uh, Jeff underscore noise said, I think it's an underrated album. It's nowhere near their best, but there are some great songs on this album. Lost and End of the World are high quality cure songs. Basically John, basically underscore John, who we've heard from on the podcast, said, I've never been able to sit down and listen to this album from start to finish. I think that sums up my review. Um, Incorrect1976 wrote, Frankly, I love the 80s cure. Innovative, one of a kind, and different. Everything they released after that era is pretty uninteresting to me. I respect, but it's not my thing. It's like another band to me, or a band trying to sound like another one in the style, and they don't fit in. Okay, fair enough. Third Uncle Records wrote, I really want to be a part of this, but I'd have to listen to the album again to really give an informed opinion. Unfortunately, that means I'd have to listen to this album again, and I just don't think I could take that kind of rejection. Ooh. Um, Dr. Rudy Wells writes, Awful cover art, so it was an automatic hard pass. I gave up on them when I heard Blood Flowers. Kmart underscore goth wrote, I love Before 3, best song on the album in my opinion. I did enjoy the single too, End of the World. I like the verses a lot, particularly love his voice at Me, I don't show much, but it's not that hard to hide you. See? His voice sounds a lot better though. All right, and those are all courtesy of Chaz and his Instagram account, 17 underscore seconds. 
more people wrote on that because he's more popular than mine. But that's all right because he's a great guy. You should check out his Cure t-shirts at 17 Seconds Shirts at BigCartel.com too. You can find all the latest pre-orders are up there and um, and get them one of a kind. You're gonna well not one of a kind, but you, you won't find them anywhere else is what I'm saying. And uh, very cool shirts for sale there and. Um, just a great big thank you to everybody out there listening, and um, we'll move on. 413 Dreams around the corner. In the meantime, subscribe on iTunes and on YouTube to get the old stuff. We're not waiting for podcast garden's asses to kick into gear anymore. So I'm gradually uploading all the old podcast episodes, episodes 1 through about 70 or so. By the time this comes up, I'll hopefully have a few bit more up there, so I'm just going to keep shoveling them in there um we're almost through the 2016 tour so go relive all the early day magic on youtube and um and they're up there meanwhile you can catch everything from the last year on itunes so subscribe on there while you can and uh follow us on the instagram as you can see from this episode a lot of action going down on instagram at the holy hour podcast and 17 underscore seconds for chaz's and um what else? Facebook page. Yeah, this one in particular is going to have a link to all these YouTube clips so you can hear these outtake songs and stuff and know what we're talking about. So go on over to the Facebook page, like that page while you're at it, and um, stay in touch. You can find out little extra tidbits there and drop me a, a comment through the Facebook page or directly at gavinconnor at gmail.com. And um, feel free to send us uh, your thoughts at any point, even if it fits in or not. We'll get to it eventually. And uh, we've got lots of great ones on the horizon, so stay tuned and talk hard. Stop.